today's audio podcast from The Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of The Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, good morning. Y'all doing all right? I'm, I'm, doing, an, I'm doing an energy level test because like it was lacking in the first service. I'm just being honest. All right, so... If we're having a competition, I'm just saying. Well, how many of y'all know that you are in a fight? How many of you in this room are fighters? I am a fighter. In fact, sometimes I have to really reel it in because I want to fight when I should pray. Anybody else have that problem? All right. Well, we're going to talk about that this morning, but we are in a fight. Not only are you in a fight, you're in the fight of your life. And that's what this is about. Um, Not too long ago, I'd say about a month, maybe a couple of months, I don't know. Um, the Lord gave me a vision when I was in the middle of prayer, and the word he gave me was the word overwatch. Now, the whole message, as we get down to it in the end, we're going to end with that particular message, but as I began to prepare, the Lord showed me that I need to stop back up and we need to set some ground rules and understand what's going on before we get to the position of overwatch. But you do have to realize that you are in a fight, you're in the fight of your life, that you are on a battlefield, but there's an unseen fight going on. There's a battle raging in the heavenly places. How many of you believe that? How many of you can feel that? It's absolutely true. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of scripture that goes along with this. But I'm going to begin in Daniel chapter 10, beginning in verse 12. And this is an angel speaking to Daniel. Daniel had prayed for revelation. Specifically, he was actually being being given revelation to the times that we live in now. That's what makes this so ironic and so timely. So when the angel finally arrived, he says, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, an archangel, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, For the vision refers to many days yet to come. So speaking about the princes of Persia and what that is, those are demons. Those are demonic forces that are set over regions. Y'all know, and if if you study eschatology at all, if you study the Middle East at all, you know that Israel, Jerusalem is the most contested piece of earth on the planet. How many of you understand and know that's the truth, right? Okay, so there's always been a battle going on and you are the reason for that battle. God, the heavenlies are fighting on our behalf and we can engage in that battle. But you have to understand that though we may not be seeing the fight, we can feel the fight. So to understand the fight, we have to understand what truth is. So I hear it all the time. Well, that's not my truth. Well, that's not your truth. How many of you know there's only one truth and it is the truth? And this is it right here, the infallible word of God. Okay, and I tell you what, not here, not too long from now, in a couple of weeks, Marty Rowley and I are actually going to do an episode, a couple of them. Um, I'm excited about it. But one of the things we're going to talk about is why this is the infallible word of God, how to study this word, and how it'll change your life. 
So let's just all agree, for argument's sake this morning, that this is the infallible Word of God. In, in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. The Word has been alive from the beginning. So not too long ago, about, I'd say in the last six weeks, there was a poll that was released that showed that 37% of all pastors in America do not have a biblical worldview. You all understand how insane that is? Only, not even, so it says only 37% have a biblical worldview. So on one of my episodes on uh, overcoming Sodom and Gomorrah, I had to actually correct that because I had it reversed. And it blew my mind. In fact, in the evangelical churches, only 50% of the pastors have a biblical worldview. How many of you know that if you don't believe this is the infallible word of God, that it's dead? It's just nothing. It means absolutely zero. There are mega church pastors that just, I've heard recently say they want to rip out the Old Testament. Let me tell you something. You don't have a New Testament without the Old Testament. The entire Old Testament is about prophesying about what Jesus is going to, who he was, who he is, what he's going to come and do. And it was fulfilled on the cross in his name is Jesus. There's a, a Baptist church in the Texas Panhandle. I'm not going to tell you which one, but I was actually out on the website one day. And when I had this thing said, homebrew Christianity. And I was like, well, what is that? So I clicked on it. Now, this is a, a church that should be proclaiming this as the truth, right? Well, in this particular thing, homebrew Christianity, it was you get to pick the things about Christianity you like, and basically you can throw the rest away. How many of you know that that's garbage and that's a lie straight from the pit of hell? It is. Let me tell you something. You cannot water down this word. So I'll, before I go any further, it sounds like I'm, fire, I'm, I'm preaching fire and brimstone. I'm not. Let me tell you something. Jesus is love. This is the most tolerant religion that exists. You know, this is the only religion that operates out of grace. You cannot earn it. There's nothing you can do to deserve heaven because you don't. Neither do I. None of us do. But you don't get to water down God's word because word is truth. The church I grew up in was starkly different than our church and the church I got saved in. Um, in fact, not too long ago, I, I was driving by that church and they had certain flags out front. And I was speaking to somebody who recently went to that church and they went inside and they were saying, oh, these poor group of people. And let me tell you something. Yes, I do agree, poor group of people, okay, but for a different reason. Because I know that they're living a false identity. And that's not what God wants for us. You, there's, a, there's a man, I don't have time to get into it, but he ended up becoming... Uh, just a, a huge missionary, but he was a police officer um, and he was being interviewed not too long ago. And he, in his environment, in his, in his city, is actually in Washington, D.C., where he became a police officer. And in his city, you know, his whole life, he wanted to be a cop, finally gets to be a cop. Instead of just being, you know, the law enforcement, he wanted to also protect and serve. And so he began to ask, well, God, how do I correct, you know, this environment? How do I correct? What's the source of the issue? So he got saved. He was a Christian. He began to pray instead of just collaring people. He said, all right, what do I do? How do we correct the situation? So one quick story. He said, so, the, so eventually the CIA uh, looks him up and they say, hey, we want to bring you on. How do you, how do you solve all these cases? And he said, you're not going to like the answer. Um, he said, well, try one. So he pulled one out where there was this gang issue. And he says, well, in this particular case, um, I began to ask the father and I prayed about it and there was crickets, you know. Well, what he did in this particular case is God told him to take the leader of the gang. He said, I want you to take him home for the weekend. And that dude said, no, that's crazy. 
Then he went back and started looking at the word. And anytime God sometimes asks us to do things, it doesn't make sense. It's dangerous or it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't connect with us. So he did just that. He took the gang leader home to his house for a weekend and loved on him. And after he loved on him, his heart was soft and the gang leader gave his life to Jesus. So what he ended up doing was taking that gang leader. The gang leader went back to the gang and he changed the culture. He led the gang to Christ and that gang was dissolved. How many of you know that you have that authority, that you have that circle of influence, that you have that power because Christ in you, you have the truth living inside of you. So we need to understand why did Jesus come? We talk about this, and if we go around the room, you're going to give me all the answers. He came to die on a cross so that we could have eternal life. God so loved the world, so forth and so on, right? But I want to read to you John 18, 37. And so Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. He's on trial. And Pontius says to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the Truth. Say truth. What did he bear witness to? Truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. How many of you sitting in this room have always said, I want to be able to hear God's voice, but you don't feel like you can? You know, you think that certain people, only certain people of, of certain gifts get to hear the voice of the Father. I want to tell you right now, that's absolutely a lie. Every single person that has a relationship with Jesus Christ can hear the Father's voice. And he has such a beautiful voice. And he wants to speak so much life and what? Truth into your life. So how do we know that we're in a fight? Well, first of all, we need to use this as the lens that we see the world through. And so if we look around, we can see all the symptoms. There's such an attack on family, such an attack on children, marriage. I mean, it has never been harder in the history of the world than it is right now to be a kid, to be a teenager, a young adult. But I want to tell you how we fix that. First of all, Jesus changes everything. And if you know Jesus, he'll dust away the false identity and reveal the truth. And when you know who you are and you know whose you are, you won't be running around and swar you know, swarming around with the world trying to figure out who you're going to be because you will absolutely know. So Christians are now one of the most persecuted groups in the world, along with the Jews. Have you ever not have you noticed that? Have you felt that? Be bold. Don't be afraid to stand up for truth. So why are we so persecuted? Because we're a threat to evil. Let's watch this quick video. God blesses man, gives him great riches, prosperity, peace, and safety. And with only a few generations, society has turned its back on God once again, choosing violence, hedonistic ideals, selfish ambitions, and hatred of anyone in their way, including their creator. 
Only nine generations from Adam to Noah, the population of the entire earth, or a single lineage, had turned their backs on God. And God instructed Noah to build an ark. God destroyed all of mankind except those whom he had spared. Noah and his family began to repopulate the earth. And again, it wasn't long before sin began to run rampant. In fact, within only 12 generations, two cities close in proximity, Sodom and Gomorrah, were so filled with evil that God's wrath would be poured out once again, this time through fire and brimstone. So what is wrong with us that we are so quick to turn our back on God and allow evil to rise up and consume our societies? One word, sin. Sin comes in many forms but has the same result, death. Maybe not physical death, but spiritual death. Unrepentant sin begets only more sin until we no longer feel the correction of the Father or hear His voice and our conscience becomes seared. 1 Timothy 4 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So what are we to do? Just accept that Satan and his principalities of darkness have won, taken over our country, schools, cities, towns, businesses, and neighborhoods? Absolutely not. God defeated this darkness on the cross over 2,000 years ago through the blood of Jesus and his miraculous resurrection. We don't fight like Satan. Hatred is never one single person to any cause. But through standing steadfast, firm to the infallible word of God, letting our voices rise up and be heard in truth and more importantly, in love. It is through the love of Christ and his authority in us that will reclaim the ground the enemy has tried to take from us. Yes. These may be the latter days mentioned in 1 Timothy 4, but until Jesus comes and removes us from this planet, it is our responsibility to fight the good fight for the hearts and souls of those around us. We can see revival, restoration of our neighborhoods, businesses, towns, cities, and schools. So what are we going to do? Simple. Share the gospel. Jesus changes everything. He does. I thought we could get through a lot more if we just made a quick video. You can get a lot said in a few sec in a few minutes that way. You know what I'm saying? Jesus changes everything. How many of y'all believe that? How many of you would agree that Jesus has changed your life? How many of you would want to make sure that anybody that you come in contact or anybody that you know, you would want them to know that love of Jesus that you've encountered? How many of you can remember the day that you got saved? I can, May 22nd, 1994, I was in First Assembly of God. I can't, I remember it was a Sunday night, I couldn't wait until I ran to the front of that church, fall on my knees, and to pray. In fact, in the first service, Deanne Osteen was the one who prayed with me when I came to Christ. It's so powerful. So first, we need to know that Jesus changes everything. So if you don't feel like you can get in a fight, if you don't feel like you can do something, let me tell you something, you don't have to. All you have to do is to be willing to do one thing, Step. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he was in a confrontation, and he had no idea what he was going to do, what he was going to say. He said, I literally had no clue. My, my mind was fog. And he said, I just opened my mouth. Holy Spirit came out, and it was incredible. How many of you have ever had that experience? God changes everything. Jesus changes everything. I'm going to read three different translations, but in Proverbs 29, 18, beginning in the New King James translation, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. We need revelation. 
How many of y'all need revelation in your life? We all do. How many of you feel like right now that you're stuck, you're stagnant in what you're doing in your life? You don't know where you're supposed to go. You don't know what you're supposed to do. Let me tell you something. God wants to give you a new vision. He wants to give you revelation. He wants to give you purpose in your life. The same scripture, different translation, the message. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. How many of that, does that not sound familiar in our current society, people stumbling all over themselves. When they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend what he reveals, they're most blessed. This is the scripture, that you're probably, the translation that you're probably used to hearing, but it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. I don't know about you, but I don't want to perish. But rather, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So I'm getting to that age, y'all. Um, I'm playing the trombone when I'm reading, and it's about right here, and I'm being really hard-headed, and I still haven't picked up. I have a prescription. I just haven't broke down and gone and got my glasses. So my cousin's wife is an optometrist. A couple months back, you know, she's been telling me about these new eye drops. Have y'all seen these eye drops that you can put in instead of wearing glasses? Have you heard of that? Well, Anyway, they're, I guess, a new thing on the market. I was having lunch with my cousin. She found out. She said, hey, stay there. I'm going to bring you some eye drops. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. So my cousin and I were getting in the truck. I was fixing to put them in. My cousin goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's wait on the experimental eye drops until after you drop me off. Uh, Turns out that was actually good advice. Uh, So I didn't mess with it until the next morning. So the next morning, I go to the office. I'm at the office. Praise God I didn't put in before I drove. Anyway, I put those in, and at first, nothing, right? Then it's like one of those cartoons, you know, where everything's getting really big and small. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, it's like one of those. I was so bad, I fell on my knees, my hands, and I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling, you know, around. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think this is it, you know? <laughs> After about 30 minutes, it finally wore off. Well, anyway, there's this guy that I've been witnessing to. He's this close to knowing Jesus. And so I went down, I saw him for lunch, and what it does, it dilates your eyes, makes your eyes look weird, I guess. Anyway, he looks at my eyes and goes, hey, man. He goes, are you high? I was like, all right, I can't wear this. All right, so, so much for the eye drops. But vision, as we can all agree, is important, right? The Hebrew word for that is kazone. It's a sight, a mentality. That is a dream, a revelation, vision. Do you have vision? In order to have vision, though, you must first hear the Father's voice. In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There's somebody in this room today that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you're online, and you've not yet asked Jesus into your heart. We're going to talk about this, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. But if I just said something and it stirred something up, and you maybe some butterflies, and you're thinking, yeah, he's talking to me, we're going to circle back around. And I want to say this to you right now. Don't let pride get in the way when that opportunity and that time comes. Let God do a work in you. So point number two, cultivate an environment of godliness around you. How many of y'all have Audible? Y'all like listening to books on tape? Man, it's like that in the first service. Am I like the only person that listens to Audible? Okay, okay, there we go. All right. Uh, And so, yeah. So so whatever it is, how many of y'all like podcasts? Y'all like listening to podcasts? Yeah, listen to Digging for the Truth. It's awesome. I'm just saying. Okay, um, so but it's important that we listen to things that are going to fill us up. I have people that I listen to constantly. You know that, I used to listen to Star Wars, but Disney ruined that. 
but it's good to have things that are going to encourage us. There's a book. How many of y'all, you know that less than 1% of messages that we ever talk about are about the things of heaven? Why do we want to be saved? A lot of times, how many of y'all remember as kids, you would watch these cartoons. I'm kind of dating myself. But these cartoons, there'd be some cartoon dude, he'd die, you know, cat or whatever, floating up to heaven playing a harp. That is not heaven, okay? We're going to have incredible bodies, be able to do incredible things. It's going to be like nothing we've ever experienced before. And so if you're looking for things to listen to, there's a couple of books. Imagine Heaven by John Burke. That's a great book. Uh, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. That's a great book. If you understand the things that are in front of us, let me tell you something. You're going to be a lot more excited about the things that are here right now. The word tells us that, you know, bad company corrupts good habits. You are and become the people that you surround yourself with. There was a, there's a guy that I like to listen to, and he was doing a research in, in a, a book on fatherhood. But one of the stories that he, he found and came across that really intrigued me was one about the study. Actually, it wasn't even a study. It was a story uh, that happened in Africa. So there was a new sanctuary, a, a reserve being set up for all of these animals, specifically elephants, rhinoceros, and so forth. And so they began to transport these elephants and they had these big bull elephants and the straps that they had were too small. The bull elephants kept snapping the straps. So they said, well, let's just take the small, the younger, the juveniles. We'll take them over there. They're going to become bulls one day, right? So they did, they did that and they introduced the juveniles into the sanctuary. Well, after a while, they began to have an issue with all these dead white rhinoceros. Now, white rhinoceros, if, you don't, if you're not familiar, I mean, they're, they're very rare, anymore. They're on the extinct, close to the extinction list. I mean, there's very few of them left. And so they're very protected. And so what happens, a lot of them, poachers will go find them, cut off their, their, their uh, horn and sell it in Chinese markets and so forth. But the horns were there. there were, they couldn't tell that there was huge gores, but they couldn't figure out what was going on. So they eventually set up cameras. And what they discovered was these juvenile, think teenagers, juvenile elephants were killing the white rhinoceros. In all of documented history in Africa, nothing like this had ever occurred in nature. So the only thing that they could think to do was to go and to get bigger straps and to make sure that they introduced the bull, the mature elephants, into this environment. And when they introduced the mature bull elephants, all of the killing immediately stopped. What happened was, as soon as the juvenile elephants began to go at or attack the white rhinoceros, the bull elephant stepped in. They said, no, that's not how elephants behave. Isn't that incredible? And then the juveniles began to follow the bull elephants. Now, if that goes on in the animal kingdom, how much more important is it for us? How much more important is it for our kids? Now, if you don't know me, we have five kids four girls, one boy, pray for me and my son. <laughs> lots and lots of words, and they're beautiful words. I love it. But the one thing, I can do so many things for all of my daughters. I can teach them so many things. But the one thing that I cannot teach my daughters is how to be a woman. Conversely, my wife, as amazing as she is, and as good a mother as she is, she cannot teach my son how to be a man. That's my job. And some of us may have grown up without a father or a father figure. And let me tell you something. There are people, we live in an amazing community. There are, let me tell you something. This is a great house. 
This is a great church filled with great men and women, godly people. This is the best church I've ever been a part of. It's the healthiest church I've ever been a part of. And if you need somebody to mentor you, if you want somebody to speak life into you, ask. There's so many people that are willing to pour into you. All you have to do sometimes is to be willing to ask. So I'm going to ask you this question. Is this community worth fighting for? I don't know. I mean, is it? Y'all didn't seem real enthusiastic. Is this community worth fighting for? All right, this side is doing a lot better. It is absolutely worth fighting for. How many of you know that there are people, demonic forces, trying to send in demonic ideas even into this local community? It's happened. How many of you know that you have the authority? Is this your community? Is it? Because it's your community. You have every right to fight for it, tooth and nail, and to make this community reflect the kingdom of heaven. It says, as in heaven, right? We want it to be on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what this community can be. But you have to be willing to fight for it. But here's where everything gets sticky sometimes. It's the approach, the way that we do it. All of the craziness going on out there, people screaming at you, telling you you're an idiot, Has that ever won you to anything? Have you ever said, you know what? Yeah, I am an idiot. I think I'll just come join your cause. I mean, I've never done that. But what convinces and changes hearts? Love. But love without truth is weak. But truth without love is dead. So what do we need? We need truth, but truth needs to be spoken in love. So we need to cultivate this environment in our home. In a minute, I'm going to tell you some of the things that we do, but there's a a famous actor, I'm not going to tell you his name, um, but he was a womanizer, and all he cared about was that one thing. His whole life was about that one thing. Eventually, he contracted HIV, kind of been off the, uh, the scene for a while, but his daughter recently turned 18 years old, and that daughter is now beginning to partake in the things which he used to pursue, and it devastated him. And he was all confused as to why she would pursue this thing. Well, the reason she pursued this thing is that's the only thing she ever saw her father worship. So I'm going to ask you some hard questions. What does your thought life look like? What does your marriage look like? What does your relationship with your children, your family your friends, your boss, your coworkers look like. Your children, your family, your friends, your community are absolutely worth investing in. You have something valuable to share. There's something that every one of y'all can do that I can't. That Cade can't. That Pastor Jeff can't. That Tommy and the staff here, they can't. That's what this is, is to equip and to set loose the kingdom, the hands and the feet of Jesus. Y'all are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Say, I'm the hands and feet. You're the hands and feet. It begins in your personal study time, your thought life, your home. In our home, so if you don't recognize me, normally I have a cello. Um, But... You know, in our home, so Brandy and I were both musicians. I grew up, I started playing uh, piano when I was six, picked up cello at 10. Brandy was a music major, beautiful voice. 
You know, she's the real pretty one standing right here, you know. And uh, anyway, you know, in our home, there's, there's, we have instruments all around. And as long as instruments are respected, they're allowed to play on them. Um, pianos, ukuleles, guitars, cellos, violins, piccolos, little tin whistles. Sometimes those need to go in the shelf up top. But, <laughs> but what happens is that we begin to worship. I, I'll sit down and I might begin to play and Brandy will begin to sing and then other kids will come in and they'll start to sing and they'll begin to harmonize. Not too long ago, I'm going to embarrass one of my kids and I don't want to and I have no reason to but he's just shy, but he's an incredible, my boy, he's got a gift. He's an incredible guitar player. Don't look at him. All right. Well, one night, not too long ago, we ended up on the back porch and he's playing and my wife's singing. You know, we had these, it's, it's awesome. We had this, this dark out. We had these lights up and all this stuff. And I go in and I get my cello and we're back there and we're just worshiping as a family. Holy Spirit washed over that back patio. Boy, I'm going to cry thinking about it right now. It just washed over us. We begin to just see Holy Spirit work in our kids and in us and begin to just, it, it was wonderful. You know, you don't have to come here Sunday morning to encounter Christ, to encounter God, to encounter Holy Spirit. He wants to do a work in your home. What are you investing in? What are you filling up with? Because I tell you what, God, he created you for one purpose. You know what that one purpose was? To have a relationship with you. You're sucking air here today because he wants to have a relationship with you. That's why we exist. How many of you eat together as a family? This is a long lost tradition. As a kid growing up, we didn't do it very much. We were always really busy. That's pretty much my fault. But as, I, as Brandy and I got married, we realized that we want to be able to slow down, hit the pause button, because we want to be the loudest and the closest voices to our children in our home. Well, a great way to do that is dinner. We all need to eat. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. I'm pulling a Tommy, aren't I? I'm moving all around. I just realized that. All right, y'all ready? I'm going to run this side now. We all need to eat. We all need, and when we sit down and eat, we have like these, uh, these this, an envelope. Brandy did a great job, great idea. She put all these questions in a stuffed envelope. The kids will pull one out and it just, it begins conversation. Or if we're not even doing that, Brandy or I will ask, what was your favorite part of the day? You know, just something. And it's amazing the things that begin to come out through that conversation. When was the last time that you shared a meal? I'm not saying these things to beat you up. I have a tendency to get really busy. If the enemy can't slow you down sometimes, what does he do? He speeds you up. Next thing you know, you're leaning forward and you're on your face. We've got to make time. The Sabbath is another one of those days. Today, what is today? It's the Sabbath, right? And it's one of those days that when we go home from here, how many of you are going to truly rest and connect and to be with your family? I'm not picking I have been the world's worst about this. But I've made myself on Sundays, I tell you what, it feels weird to go home and take a nap, but the older I get, the more it agrees with me. I'm just gonna be honest, okay? Then my kids are gonna fight me tooth and nail. But what, when was the last time you truly Sabbathed? This is when we get filled up all of this so that we can get to this final point, point number three, and that is to get in the fight. 
get in the fight. So a couple of months ago, now I've shared this with my life group. I shared it with them the week that the Lord showed me. But you have a choice. You no longer, rather, you no longer have a choice whether you're going to sit on the fence. You're either in the fight passively or actively. And if you're in it passively, let me tell you something. It's going to be a, a hammer to the forehead. The enemy is going to just run you straight over. It is time to get in your defense. If you're, not in, if you're on passive, get in defense first. And then let's get an offense and let's start taking the fight to the enemy. So the way that I saw this, I was in my quiet time. And the word that the Lord gave me was the word overwatch. Now, I know some of my military buddies in here are going to give me a hard time later. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Caleb. All right, but so if I get it wrong, y'all can correct me, but here's how the Lord revealed this to me. And here's the definition, a tactical technique in which one unit is positioned in a vantage position to provide perimeter surveillance and immediate fire support for another friendly unit, okay? I went and looked up some other articles discussing the importance of Overwatch And here's a couple of the things that they said. Armed overwatch could mean the difference between success and failure for these missions and would provide SOF special operations forces with the tools they need to fight and win tomorrow's conflicts. But I like this next next one better. It says to succeed in these environments where the risks are often high, special operations forces need critical capabilities like armed overwatch to enhance their situational awareness, situational awareness and provide lethal overmatch when it is called for on the ground. How many of you know that just the name of Jesus is lethal? When you don't know what else to pray, pray Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. How many of y'all have ever woken up in the middle of the night and you know your heart's racing, things are going through your mind, the enemy attacks you in the middle of the night? You know the enemy comes when it's darkest? And let me tell you something. Almost every night I wake up at some point, and a lot of times it's the Father, and at my best moments are usually at 3, 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And then God begins to tell me, hey, I want you to pray over this, pray over this, pray over this. And I tell you what, it has grown me. It has drawn me into the kingdom more than I've ever have been in my life. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says to pray without ceasing. I didn't know what that meant until recently. I always thought you're just supposed to be on your knees praying. It's like, how am I going to eat? I mean, I didn't understand what that meant. Eating's important to me. I'm just... But I tell you what, so not too long ago, the whole night, the entire night, I prayed. I prayed in my dreams. In my dreams, I was praying. When I woke up, I began to pray. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, when I got out of bed, I was praying. I never quit praying the entire night, even though I slept. And God would begin to say, I now I want you to pray over this person. I want you to pray over this person. And the one thing he actually told me is one night, it was this night, I tell you, it was right before Pastor Jeff lost his father because I didn't know this, but I didn't even put it together until a couple of days later. But he says, there's somebody about to pass I want you to pray for. And I began to pray and I didn't realize who that person was until several days later. You know that when you pray, you're shooting arrows into that heavenly battle. You are shifting all of the pieces on the board. You don't think that your voice and your spirit has power and authority, but let me tell you something, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. You are mighty. Look at little Mallory up here singing. Boy, isn't that girl mighty? She's small in stature, man. Boy, she, she just, she's my hero. I mean, she's mighty. She has a mighty voice. She uses that voice for the purpose of the edification of the body, to worship the Father. What's coming out of you? This is out of the abundance of the heart. What? The mouth speaks. What are you filling up with? What are, you com- are you constantly complaining about what's going on out there? If you are, that's what you're filling up with. Let me tell you something. All that out there, the, the victory's already been won. 
I know it. I've read the final chapter. We win. Jesus conquers all. What are we going to do in the middle of it? My heart is to make sure as many people go to heaven with me as possible. Ephesians 4.11 talks about the fivefold, the fivefold ministry. Are you an evangelist? Are you a pastor? Are you an apostle? Are you a teacher? I am through and through an evangelist. You have a calling. How many of you in this room know Jesus? I'm going to tell you something right here that maybe nobody's ever told you before. If you know Jesus, you are called. That's the truth. It's not about being, we always say, well, a calling is you're supposed to be in full-time ministry. No, that is not how the church is organized. Acts 2, what was it? It's the, it's the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the hands and the feet, and we need to step out and take back that which the enemy has been trying to steal from us. So I want to talk about that overwatch position for a minute. From a spiritual perspective, okay, whenever you're in the battlefield, you have overwatch. They're sitting up high and they can see what's happening, okay, on the battlefield. They can see if the enemy is coming in from any direction. And then they can even take, they can not only warn them on the ground what's going on, but they can also take a tactical strike. They can shoot we need to be in that same position spiritually. We need to be in that tactical position, that overwatch position spiritually, so that we can see what's going on in the battlefield, so that we can see whenever the enemy's trying to sneak into our house and trying to speak lies and false ideologies into our children's hearts and minds, whenever there's some you know, division trying to sneak its way into the back door of the church. Whenever the enemy's lying, whenever temptation is coming in and, and we have family members struggling with something, we can be up here in this position and we can see it and we can do two things. Not only can we warn, but we can take action. How do we take action? We can begin to pray. You begin by praying. Let me tell you something. You fire those darts, those arrows into the kingdom, into the spirit realm, and you'll begin to see things happen. And this has never been more important. How many of y'all, don't raise your hand. This is just a rhetorical kind of thing for you to think about and stuff. But how many of you truly do wake up and spend time with God first thing in the morning? It is so important. If you do it at night, that's great too. I have learned over the years that I am more tactically aware, using this terminology, okay? I'm more spiritually aware when I get up and I spend time with a father, my day changes. Now, there's nothing wrong with spending time with the Father in the evening. I like doing that. That's great. I'll do that too. But whenever I begin my day, my first fruit, when I get out of bed and I get on my knees, I read my Bible, I speak to the Father, I say, God, let me see what you want me to see. Let me hear what you want me to hear. Let me do what you want me to do. Let me love on who you want me to love on and let me speak truth against any lies that are trying to come in to my home and my community. My day goes a lot different. Have you ever experienced that? How many of you ever asked yourself this question? I wish I could live in biblical times. Has anybody ever asked that question? You can show me your hands on this one. Nobody's raising your hand? Okay, well, that's about like it was in the first service too. <laughs> you know, I always, you know, I would watch these Bible movies and I'm like, oh, it's a whole lot better. At least people love Jesus. Let me tell you something. It was not Christian society. It was, it, it was horrible. In fact, most of the disciples, they were martyred, killed. But let me tell you something. They were willing to lay down their life. How many of you, 
I, I sitting looking at Caleb. Caleb was one of, he used to serve in our military and he's a neat dude. But I know there was a time he was willing to lay down his life for mine, your freedom. How many of us are willing to do this spiritually? How many of you are willing to do it physically in the name of Jesus Christ? I know that I am. Sounds kind of scary talking like that. Man, this dude's crazy. Well, listen, we are in a fight and you need to understand the battlefield that you're on. You may not have intentionally walked onto that battlefield that has been built around you. So you need to be equipped. We have some friends that they were in the mission field. And so whenever they went into the mission field, they were in a mission field in Asia for like 17 years. And they grew up, were raised here, loved Jesus, all of these things. But when they went to Asia and they began to encounter people, there were some incredibly demonic forces that came back against them. And they realized quickly that they were not equipped for that battle. And they quickly started seeking out, oh gosh, what do we do? Let me tell you something. Everything that you need to know is right between these pages. And the one thing that they, they, they found people that would mentor them and to teach them. And they had a powerful encounter with Holy Spirit and they got equipped. And then they made a tremendous difference in that community for 17 years. So rejoice in the middle of all this. Even though you may feel like things are dark out there, you are the light. You know, think of this. There were millions, we don't know exactly, okay? We're looking at roughly 1,600 years of <clears throat> pre-flood, antediluvian, you know, time period, right? So we know that there, there could, there's millions and millions, tens of millions of people. Imagine, you know, Noah, his whole life, 120 years that he built that ark. His whole life, though, he never had a single convert. Talk about a lonely place to be. When they stepped on that ark, Let's just say for argument's sake that all eight of them there were saved, had a relationship with God. We think that a lot of times that we're alone, that we're living in this horrible time. Look how many people, just in this room, look at how many people, look, at, look online. I mean, how many people are truly in our corner? We're not in this fight alone. This is a beautiful community. We can make a tremendous difference, but you can't do it without Jesus. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back out. I told you earlier, May 22nd, 1994 was the day that I got saved. It was a beautiful day. And I also said in the first service, Buddy and Deanne were here, that you're welcome to go talk to them how big of an idiot I was before I knew Jesus. <laughs> See, God, if God can save me, he can save anyone. I could point out my dad is in this service, but I don't want you talking to him. <laughs> don't want you talking to him. He knows way too much dirt. But look, there's nothing that you have done that can separate you from the love of God. And God is calling you, first and foremost, into a relationship with him. He says, I've been waiting. All you need to do is, I've been here the whole time. Some of you are in this room and, and you've asked Jesus into your heart, but you've never heard his voice. Today's, today's the day that that changes. You need to quit believing that lie and know that you can absolutely hear the Father's voice. Soon I'll be doing an episode on how do you hear the Father's voice, but many times it comes with a peace. Sometimes it comes with a thought that you know that you could have never had because you're just not that smart. You know, that happens to me every day. Sometimes, you know, it comes through other people that speak love and truth into our life. You can be that person. 
I know some people are afraid to share their love of God with anybody because they're afraid they don't know this Bible back and forward. And and if you say something wrong, you're gonna mess up. Let me tell you something. You know what Jesus did for us? He died on that cross. You know what he did it for? Relationship. You know where salvation begins? Relationship. That's what he wants. You, if you have a relationship with Jesus, are a reflection. You are a light in a dark place. God will shine through you. And all you need to do is to be willing to take that step. And say, I will absolutely be the hands and feet of Jesus. Point me where you want me to go, Lord. So I'm going to do a couple of things. I want you to close your eyes and to bow your head. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and I want you to be honest. There are some things the Scripture talks about, Paul specifically would speak, and he would say, when I come up, there are things that I want to impart upon you. Some things happen just through fellowship and impartation. Other things happen, you know, simply by asking. But there's some people in this room, I'm going to ask you several questions, that you have had a desire to share the love of Jesus with somebody, but have been nervous to. And the reason I'm having you close your eyes and bow your head so nobody is looking around, just you and me. If you want to be a person that shares your faith, but you have been unable up to this point or been afraid to do that, and you want to have the courage to do that very thing, I want you to raise your hand. Yep, this hand's going up. Let me see. 2 Timothy 1... Seven, I mean, Mallory talked about it earlier. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and love and a sound mind. How does that work? It reverses. If we live and operate in a spirit of fear, we lose our authority. That love is turned to hate and we lose our brains. But I want to tell you this. Don't be afraid. God will show up. All you have to do is to be willing to say yes to Jesus. Okay, keep your heads bowed for a minute. I feel like there's somebody in this room that, that you've had some butterflies. A while ago, I, I made a statement. I said, there's people in this room and maybe you're online. And if you're online, it doesn't change anything. In Romans, you know, Paul teaches us about the, the, the Roman road that first of all, that we are in need of salvation and that Jesus came and, and died on a cross and we are saved through grace, because God raised him from the dead. Jesus is the son of God. And so whenever we look at the word and, and understand who Jesus is and what he did for us, in Romans 10, 9, it says that if we confess with our tongue and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died and God raised him from the dead, you're saved. That's all it is. How many of you, there's people here today that have not yet made that decision And if you're online, I would encourage you. I mean, it doesn't change anything. You can do it right now on your floor. If you're in your car driving, I tell you, you can do it. It doesn't matter where you are. You can make a decision for Christ anywhere. If I'm speaking to somebody and this resonates with you and you want to ask Jesus into your heart and receive him as your Lord and Savior today, I want you to raise your hand. I can't see you. I'm blinded right now. It doesn't matter. It's not a decision. I I did see you. Anybody else? Don't let this time pass by. So here's what I'm going to ask of you. Everybody, I want to see your eyes. You can look up. There's some people that have given their lives to Christ today. Let's give them a hand. Let's pray. Yeah, absolutely. 
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.